Hello, everyone. Um, it's so great to be here with you this morning and uh, to continue our series in the parables looking at the words and way of Jesus. My name's Simon. Uh, I'm married to Alex and we have three children, Abby, Betsy and Arthur. Um, we live on a mixed arable and livestock farm in Ede, uh, which I've been managing for the last five years or so. Um, we love being part of this community, so it's such an honour to be able to speak this morning. Uh, last week, Bill brilliantly unpacked the parables of the hidden treasure and the pearl of great price. So whilst choosing a parable today, the, basically the thing that kept jumping out at me was the lost sheep. I know what you're thinking, you're a farmer, that's a bit predictable, but hold on. When I was looking and preparing for this, there's so much to learn from sheep. And actually, if you look in the Bible, there is so much reference to sheep and shepherds. But for most of us, unless you are a farmer, and there are a few in here, you wouldn't really interact with sheep. So I'm going to give you a little bit of context uh, for, this, for this parable before we read it. Um, you may have seen them in the fields or petted them at a farm zoo or, you know, for us in the UK, probably the most famous sheep is Dolly the clone sheep. For parents, you have Sean sheep, Timmy time. You have Beatrix Potter's Herdwick sheep from the Lake District. And we see loads of lambs all looking wonderful in country file. But it, is, it often doesn't really feel like sheep relate to us when we st hear stories about them. It's the same with shepherds. To be shepherded often relates to moving small children or tourists around. In our culture, we generally don't like being shepherded, as it suggests a reliance on someone else. No, in our culture, that puts high value on, on self-reliance and independence it's also difficult to relate to choosing to be shepherded. So before we read the parable, I just want to check, is there a Perdita in the room? Anyone with that name? A few. I chose a good name. So I'm going to tell you a story from the farm. I just don't want to really offend someone. Um, about a bit of my story as a farmer with one of my sheep, um, who I recently named Perdita. And Perdita translate as completely lost in Latin. She had the extraordinary ability to get lost. Whatever field I put her in, she tries and eventually manages to get out of it. And last week, she completely went up a level. So each morning, I would go and check, check the sheep, check they're all right, check nothing's stuck, stuck or lost, and she would be on the other side of the gate. And I go, okay, how has she managed that? So I'd go let her in, she would come in. The next morning it would be the same thing, but she would be with a few other sheep. So I was like, how are you doing this? I checked the fence, checked the hedges, looked for a hole, couldn't see anything. So I just assumed she was jumping, because they can jump, and encouraging the others. Well, this kept happening. And then one morning, Perdita got out, and I assume showed all the other sheep how. <laughs> I was getting phone calls from the neighbours. I was topping, so I was cutting some grass at a time, and I had to drive very quickly in the tractor. 
Because when the sheep get out of a field, they tend to go completely bonkers. It's like the, the equivalent of a sheep riot. They smash stuff up. They intimidate the locals. They eat everything. And one of our neighbours has the nicest garden. And they're heading straight for it. Anyway, after finally chasing them around for an hour or so, I finally get them in. I was hot and I was fuming. I wasn't feeling like the good shepherd. And my anger fell on Perdita. Like all good farmers, in my rage, I went to my cabinet in the office. And I got out my you behaviour and disciplinary policy. (laughs) Known by farmers as the you bad policy. So I let rip and proceeded to fire questions at Pedita, who very rudely didn't respond, but just stared menacingly at me and carried on chewing her grass. It was deeply upsetting. I had no other choice but to escalate the situation, and I called Pedita's union, the North Country Mule Society, which for farmers, they'll get that. I didn't know what to do. And if you don't know, sheep only speak through their unions. So the union's pretty intimidating and has slogans like, all use matter. (laughs) And my fleece, not public property. Anyway, this is the letter that they sent back to me, which I'll read. Dear Mr. Topless, on behalf of our comrade Perdita, we are sorry to hear about the breakdown in your relationship. And as representatives of all North Country Mule Ewes, Here are the responses to your questions. Remember, we are watching you down with dogs. (laughs) Your question. Pedita, what is your problem? This is me asking Pedita. I've given you a lovely field, loads of grass, the rest of your flock, and you're safe and secure. Pedita's answer. You are my problem. Everyone knows the grass is better and at least two shades greener on the other side of the fence. It's all about the grass and you're stopping me. My question. Perdita, I keep finding you by the gate. Why do you keep wanting to come back in? Perdita's answer. Well, I keep going to the wrong field. Through the gate is the quickest way back to the right field. Your question. Perdita, last week Matilda got out, got stuck and got eaten. I'm trying to stop this happening to you. Please, can you stop escaping? Perdita's answer. No. I'm more clever than Matilda. She had fluff in her brain and I won't get stuck. Yours fleecingly, North Country Mule Society Union. So you now see what I have to work with. Well, interestingly, sheep were what the Hebrews in biblical times had to work with. There are lots of sheep in the Bible and lots of stories about sheep and shepherds. They are the most mentioned animal in the Bible with a whopping 211 mentions, followed next with a solid 107 for lambs. Lots more than pigs, cattle, donkeys, rabbits, dogs, hyraxes, whatever they are, camels, snakes, lions, leopards, and even wolves. And these stories are connected with humans, mainly because shepherding was a primary way of life in biblical times. So I need a few volunteers, my dears. So, in the Old Testament, sheep were an indicator of personal wealth. To give you an example, to dedicate the temple of God, 
King Solomon sacrificed 120,000 sheep and goats. That was a bad day to be a sheep. I'll give you that. Do you mind standing? Sheep were intricately woven into the fabric of Hebrew identity. They were a main part of festivals and cultural sacrifices and and, um, religious festivals. They were an integral part of sacrifice, making things right between God and humans. Samuel? Stories of sheep and shepherds were used to challenge kings. The prophet Nathan told a story to King David to challenge him about stealing Bathsheba and killing her husband Uriah the Hittite. Stories of sheep were used to describe God and his heart towards his people. In Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. And Ezekiel 34, for this is what the sovereign Lord says, I myself will search for my sheep and look after them. As a shepherd looks after his scattered flock when he is with them, so I will look after my sheep. I will rescue them from all the places where they were scattered. Would I have another volunteer, please? Thanks, Justin. We're kind of trying to line up. We might have to go one in front of the other. They were used to describe our fallen nature and God's response. We, all like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. In the New Testament, the sheep's role becomes pretty revolutionized. When God selects shepherds, above all other important figures of the day, including Caesar himself, to be told about the birth of Jesus. God selects shepherds, uh, yeah, selects shepherds, and he teaches through Jesus' ministry. He uses sheep and shepherds in a number of analogies. And lastly, Jesus refers to himself as the Lamb of God, our rescuer. Jesus is pictured as the spotless lamb who was slain in the book of Revelation. So what am I going on about? I'm going on about sheep. And the stories of sheep and shepherds would have been so familiar and important to the people at that time, across all areas of life. They were part of the rhythms of life. They lived with sheep all around them, depended on them for food. They knew about the ones that got lost, eaten, Stolen, they knew the good shepherds, they knew the bad hired hands, the chaos of market days, the food, the mess, the blood, the smell, the heat, the sacrifices, celebrations and feasts, the wealth they could bring and the cost of a sacrifice given. And I, have, I had an image of God and Jesus sitting in heaven and God looking down at us and saying, I thought I made them smarter than sheep. I've told so many stories about sheep, and they're still not getting it. Go on, son. Head down there. 
you, you make it really obvious to them. And that lands us with this parable. This might not work. Can I have a little gap between you guys? We're going to start down here. So Jesus takes all these historical, cultural stories, these threads, and weaves them together. Thank you. Thank you. You can go and sit down now. Thank you. Into another story. And it's a story about the heart of God and his response to our lostness. And as I prepared earlier... Oh, that's there. <laughs> I'll put that there. Gosh, I can't see. <laughs> Can you hold it? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, <laughs> just there. So it's within this context that Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep. He's speaking to people who understand these threads. So Isaac, could you come up please? There are two versions and we're going to read both. This one's from Luke 15, 4 to 7. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country to go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in that same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. And the second one is the parable of the wandering sheep in Matthew 18. See that you do not despise one of these little ones. For I tell you that there are angels in heaven. Always see, their, see the face of my father in heaven. What do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, he will not leave the 99 on the hills to go and look for the one that has wandered off. And if he finds it, truly I tell you, he is happier about the one sheep than about the 99 that did not wander away. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of those little ones should perish. Was that it? That's not part of it, is it? No. No, that's yours. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Isaac. So the context of Luke is Jesus is speaking to the religious the Pharisees and the teachers of the law. He tells this parable and two other parables in response to their mutterings about Jesus hanging out with sinners, those that are lost. The context of Matthew in the wandering sheep parable is Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He tells this parable again in response to them arguing about who's the greatest. I think the first thing that strikes me about both these parables is the shepherd's love for his sheep. He loves them much more than I do. He obviously knows and loves his sheep 
because he notices one is gone, which suggests he must be counting. I don't count my sheep. But he notices and can't stand by whilst this one is lost, and love drives him to find his lost sheep. And his lost sheep are you and I. So the first point I'd like to make is this. We all like sheep have gone astray. We all like sheep in our, we are like sheep in our wanderings, our distractions, our grass is greener, our following of our appetites, often skirting the safety and boundaries that God provides. We go, go astray a lot. But we're not alone in this. We are part of a flock where everyone goes astray. But thank the Lord for the Lord. Because God absolutely knows this and sent Jesus to rescue us and break this sin and lost cycle to find us, to forgive us and bring us healing, peace and belonging so that through Jesus we can bring that to others. I realised for myself the beginning of being found is recognising that we're lost in the first place and having the humility to keep recognising this when we wander off and to quickly ask for forgiveness and turn back to God. This is absolutely key to our relationship growing with God and with each other in community. At the same time, Jesus is challenging the pride and the hard-heartedness of the Pharisees and his own disciples towards the lost, saying, you are no different. Jesus is often the first to challenge our response to lostness, when we forget how much saving grace and mercy we've received and instead choose to mutter, distance from and despise those who are lost in some way. See, as he said, Jesus said, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. My second point, we are lost and need finding. And Jesus is the good shepherd. When we don't feel noticed, he notices us. He goes after us. He finds us. He joyfully rejoices and throws a party for us. How good is that? Nobody is too lost to be part of God's family, and Jesus actively seeks out the lost. Jesus praises those who recognize their lostness. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus models to us how we should respond to our own lostness by turning to him. And also models to us how our actions towards those who are lost is to be with self-sacrificing love and the good news of Jesus. In the same way your father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. So he rescues us and we become part of his flock and we choose to follow the one good shepherd. In John 10 it says, I am the good shepherd, I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen, I must bring them in also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I know I have a wandering, sheepy heart. 
But the good news is that Jesus doesn't leave us with our sheepy hearts. Every time we give our heart to him, every time we turn our heart to him, he regenerates our hearts to be more like his. We may define regeneration as an act of God's amazing grace in which he imparts new spiritual life to us. He gives us the ability to love and to make the right decisions. And this sometimes is called being born again. And his promise is this, I will give them an undivided heart and put a new spirit in them. I will remove from them their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. Then they will follow my decrees and and be careful to keep my laws. They will be my people and I will be their God. This is Ezekiel 11. So coming into land, I'd like to end with the message version in Ephesians 2. So it wasn't so long ago that you were mired in the old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first thing about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then it sailed disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper like that dodgy farmer, Simon, and do away with the whole lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He put us on his shoulders. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all of this on his own, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven, in the company with Jesus, our Messiah. What good news this is. So we've got a lot to learn from sheep. And it's really just amazing how patient God is and how clear Jesus is in, in coming after us. So my prayer really is that you'll, you'll know that God seeks you out and rescues us and that he, he will renew our hearts. Bless you.